Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to our new series, Encounters. And this series is all about some different encounters that Jesus had with people. We're, we're actually going to do six lessons, and one encounter is with a non-person. We're going to have a blast with that, our enemy, and then five different people. Every lesson will stand alone. Um, typically in July, um, I, I, I take two weeks vacation and two weeks study, but this year I'm mixing it up. So I'll be teaching four out of the six lessons in this series, and I am really looking forward to it. I want to welcome TCI guys. I want to welcome every single one of you that are now one of our campuses. We are so excited to have you uh, as part of our church, and I'm excited about what I hear that's going on there because uh, Glenn and Bill, they pray with me every Saturday. I have a prayer group, and they tell us what's going on, and we pray for you guys, so we're excited about what God's doing. I'm going to welcome our Boardman campus. I know your worship was awesome, and I'm excited to have you simulcasting this message with us, and you guys have an exciting summer. A lot of cool things, and then at the end of September, we're doing the official launch. So I'm really, really excited about that. You're going to move into the new sanctuary and everything there. Warren, I'm so excited that you guys are here. And this is a really incredible series. Uh, we're going to have a blast with it. Let me ask you a question. There's this word, and for me, it's the word amazing. And I very seldom use it. And I just want you to start thinking, when do, when do you use the word amazing? For me, it's kind of like I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, and... If the Browns, they don't have to win. If they made the Super Bowl, I would be amazed. That would be absolutely amazing, right? And the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they didn't make the playoffs, I'd be amazed. I'd be like, whoa. Good organization, good organization. I was amazed at LeBron. If you, you may not be a basketball fan, but we just came through the playoffs. He had a terrible team around him, and he was amazing. I was shocked that he made the finals. And then in game one of the finals, we should have won it. I mean, the refs, Las Vegas called him and said, you got to call, make some bad calls. They made two bad calls. And, and then JR forgot what the score was, or LeBron would have won that game on his own. It was absolutely amazing. You know what else is amazing to me? When we had Mandy Harvey here, um, she can't hear. And I heard her story. I heard what she has to put into singing one song. And then she sings with perfect pitch. I was amazed. I said, amazing. There's nothing else she can say. It was amazing. What makes you say amazing? And here's what's so cool about today's lesson. Jesus only was amazed twice in the Bible, just two times. And we're going to take a look at both times today. And he ran into this centurion, and this centurion absolutely amazed him. And it takes a lot to amaze Jesus. So let's read our story. It's over in the book of Luke. It's Luke chapter 7, verse 1, and it goes like this. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. Verse 2, there was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly. Now this is really, really amazing because centurions, obviously with the name, they were over 100 soldiers, so they were officers in the Roman army. They were considered the meanest, toughest Romans that there were, and they had a terrible reputation. There was this thing, they called it the centurion cut, 
And that didn't happen on the battlefield. You know when that happened? It happened if a soldier was insubordinate and, and, and he upset the centurion. He would grab him from behind, take his knife, and slice his neck from side to side. Of course, that guy never rebelled again because he died. And these guys were crazy. They say the Roman soldiers were so fierce in battle because they were more afraid of their centurion than they were the enemy. And what amazes me is this guy actually has feelings and actually cares about his servant. And it, and it becomes more surprising. Take a look at the next verse. It goes on to say this in verse 3, the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. Now, elders of the Jews would mean in, in, in Capernaum, these guys are the mayors, they're the, they're the leaders of the city, and Jewish people hated Romans. And you can understand why. Rome came and literally conquered Israel. They occupied them. They took taxes from them. They, they, they were mean to them. These soldiers would take extra money whenever they wanted it. They did whatever they wanted. So Jewish people hated the Romans. But these elders loved this guy. And there's a reason. Notice as we read on, it says in verse 4, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and he built a synagogue. So now we know this guy, instead of worshiping all the gods of the Romans, all the idols, he converted, became a Jew, became a worshiper of the God of the Bible, and he loved them so much that he built a synagogue for them. Do you know that that synagogue is still there in Israel today? And we're talking about a B.C. Israel trip in the fall of 2019, we're thinking. And if, if we go, and it looks like we're going to do it, uh, I want to see this synagogue, and I want to read this story there because it, it will be amazing to do that, right? So here, here we go on, verse 6. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. So he's very humble. He knows, hey, I did a lot of centurion cuts. I've killed a lot of people in battle. I'm not even wor worthy of you coming in. Verse 7, that is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. We're going to talk about this and what follows. I'm just going to read it right now. We'll talk about it more at the end of the lesson, but it's amazing. Listen to what goes on. Verse 8, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 9, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. This man amazed Jesus. And what amazed him? He said, this man has great faith. So we want to find out this encounter. What does Jesus consider great faith? And why was his faith so great? And by the way, it worked, verse 10. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found that the servant was well. This amazed Jesus. And there's something here for you and I to learn. So here's my big idea. If you're visiting any of our campuses, my big idea is what I want this lesson to help you walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. It doesn't take a great amount of faith to have great faith. And I know in my life, especially as a young Christian, I always thought if I just had more faith, 
So what I would do is I'd take the promises of God where God promises us things, and I'm praying for those things in my life, and I'm thinking, if I just read that scripture a hundred more times, I will have more faith, and that more faith will help me pray and have that in my life. And really, when you study this subject out and what this centurion taught us in his encounter with Jesus is, it doesn't take a great amount of faith to have great faith. Jesus talked about this. Listen to Luke 17, 5. The apostles said to the Lord increase our faith. In other words, I need more faith. I can't, I can't get things done without more faith. And Jesus said this, Luke 17, 6, the very next verse. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Notice how we're talking again, right? That's what the centurion said. Jesus, just speak the word. We're talking again. But I think it's amazing Jesus said it's not an amount of faith that's the issue. And he uses a mustard seed. Now, I have become very familiar with mustard seeds. Take a look at this picture. I've become very familiar with them because I do this super smoothie, and uh, I put mustard seeds in it. That's a tablespoon. And so the, look at how many mustard seeds are in, in a tablespoon. They're tiny, tiny, tiny. So I do this super smoothie. I put a cup of frozen broccoli, a cup of frozen spinach. I put strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, and cranberries. And then I put all these potters, rock cocoa. It tastes like a milkshake when you put stevia in there with it, a chocolate milkshake, right? And then I put flaxseed and all these things. And I throw those mustard seeds. And you know, mustard seed doesn't taste like mustard. It has to sit in liquid over 30 minutes before it begins to smell and taste like mustard. So it, there's no taste to it. And I'm, every time I make my super smoothie, I try to have one a day so it makes up for all my other sins. And uh, so do one a day, right? <laughs> it, I don't know if it makes up for everything, but, but, but it helps. So, so listen, listen. Every time I go to get my mustard seed, I'm like, I can't believe it. And I think of this scripture. I have enough faith. It's, it's not an amount issue with me. I, I have that much faith. You have that much faith. And so the centurion's teaching us, it's not the amount. It's understanding faith and how it works. And so I came up with two thoughts that I think the centurion brought out concerning great faith. What do you have to have to great, have great faith? And here's the first one. Great faith doesn't limit God. Puts no limits on God. And I would think if I were to ask most of you in this room, do you believe God could do anything? You'd all say, yeah. I think most of us would. He's God, right? If you believe in him, you think, well, he could do anything. But we can limit him by saying, yeah, he can, but I don't think he wants to for me. And then we, we limit him. And great faith never limits God. It, it's, it's, it understands reality, but it doesn't place a limit on God. So Jesus, he had another event in his life, and this is where he was amazed the second time. He went into his hometown, and at this point, he's already raised the dead. He's already given sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. I mean, he's done all these miracles, and word is out. Everybody on their Twitter account saying, did you see what Jesus did here? Did you see what Jesus did there? Everybody, all of it, the buzz was there. And he says, I'm going to go to my hometown because we always love our hometown people, and, and I want to do this in my hometown and he's walking in, and here's what happens. It's in your Bible. This literally happens. In Mark 5, it's right there. Um, people are saying, isn't this Joseph, the carpenter's son? Didn't he work for his dad when he was little? He's just a guy. He made some good cabinets, but just a guy. 
Isn't his mom Mary? I mean, she's nice, but she, you know, she's just Mary. She's a woman. She's just a natural person like we are. And don't we know his brothers and sisters? And doesn't his brother Bob have a problem with drinking a little too much? He seems to stay at that bar all the time, right? And they, they humanized Jesus. They didn't see him as God the Son. And guess what? Jesus could not be Jesus in their lives. And here's how this story ends. Mark 6, 5. Jesus could do no miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed. Second, the only other time he's amazed in the Bible. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So he's amazed at great faith, and he's amazed at no faith. And they didn't have a lack of faith in regards to the promises of God. They limited him. They did not believe he was the son of God, and they didn't believe that he could do miracles or he would do miracles. And did you notice what it said at the beginning of the verse? He could not do any miracles. And here's where I'm at in my life. I, I don't want to be the guy that just stops Jesus from doing great things in my life. And I don't want you to be the person that we're limiting him by maybe thinking, you know, he doesn't do that anymore or he won't do that for me. Because the Bible says if you can believe, all things are possible. And I just want us to come to the place where we take those, those things that are suppressing God from doing great things, we lift them up. And I love this scripture. This is a, a prayer verse, and it says this in Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. How many of us can dream big, right? How many of us can imagine big? And here's what the scripture is saying. God actually wants to do more for you than you even want done. And the only thing that stops him is if we put limits on him. I, I think I can end this section with this thought. The size of our faith is directly proportional to the size of our God. If we're going to have great faith, great faith has to have a big God, a big God that can do anything. Remember the children of Israel? Uh, Moses sent 12 spies, and he said, hey, go tell me what the land of Canaan's like, the promised land. Where's, God said we can have it, and he sends them in. Remember, 10 of the 12 came back with a bad report, and what is it that they said? They said there's giants in the land. Well, that was fact. That's not bad. But then they went on to say, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight, and they're going to squash us. The people all were riled up and agreed with him. And Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that had the good report, they come back, and what do they say? I love what they say, and I'm paraphrasing a little, but they said this. They said, our God is the great God, and he's on our side, and they're going to be like white, no fiber bread. We're going to chew them up like it's nothing and swallow them. That's what they say. They'll be bread for us, right? There's a difference. One limited God, and those poor Israeli people, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and here's my heart. Listen. I don't want you wandering in the same situation and circumstance for 40 years, over and over again, nothing changing. And in order to have great faith and make things begin to change, we have to have no limits on God. That's number one. Here's number two. You ready? This is an awesome one. Great faith understands authority. And man, that's what the centurion understood. Recently, I received a letter in the mail it's from a police department, and uh, I opened it, and it was a ticket, a traffic ticket, and it was Gina, by the way, just want you to know up front. 
she had to go to a baby shower, so she left early. But, but it was Gina. And uh, it was one of those cameras, so they took a picture of the car and they had the speed. And it was a construction zone. And, but in Gina's defense, she said nobody was working at the time, so she went the normal speed. So it said that she went 10 miles over and the fine was $150. And all I can think of is, can I get out of this? Because that's a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of cabbage, right? So uh, it doesn't go on your record. That was nice. It's not on your insurance. So I have a friend who's an attorney, and I called him, and I said, hey. Um, I texted him a picture, so he saw it. I said, do I have to pay this? And here's what he said. Yes. <laughs> you can't get out of it. And I said, okay, I just wondered. I didn't know if I could go down to the station. It was on 80 right near Girard exit. I said, I don't know if I could go down to the station and challenge the secretary to an arm wrestle. If I win, I don't have to pay it. But no, I paid it. And you know why I paid it? This thing called authority. If I didn't, they would find me. And then if I didn't pay that, I'd eventually be thrown into jail. I mean, it wasn't going to be pretty, so I had no choice because... I'm under authority. And all of us understand authority, right? Uh, we have a state. The state wants taxes. We have to pay state taxes. Um, we, we have a federal government. They want taxes. We have to pay taxes. If we don't, the IRS comes. They come, and we get into trouble, right? So we all understand authority, right? Authority, like your boss, and, or maybe you are a supervisor. Authority, man, it's just like, hey, they have authority, and what they say I have to conform to, and I have to do. Well, the centurion understood that, and that made his faith great, and I want to show you how it works. So let's go back to our story. Luke 7, 7 says, This is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. And I think it's fascinating, because all right away, here's what he's saying. Jesus, I believe you have authority over everything. I believe everything has to submit to your word. You have such great authority, all you have to do is say, be healed, and it will happen. So this centurion really believed Jesus is the Son of God. Can you see how he has no limits on him? Then he goes on and says this in verse 8, for I myself am a man under authority. He had, he had uh, generals and people over him, and when they said, go to this place in the battle, do this, he had to do it. And then he goes on to say, with soldiers under me, and I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I, I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So here's what this man is saying. Great faith is all about understanding how authority works. And then the next verse, verse 9, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. What made this man's faith great? He didn't limit God, but here's what else. You ready? He understood authority. And he knew, he knew that he knew that if Jesus said it because he had supreme authority, it would have to happen. And that's wonderful. But do you know Jesus later on? Do you know Jesus said to us, you also have authority and you can take authority? Our authority is within the scriptures and whatever the Bible promises, God says we can take authority in that, in that area of our life. So Get a hold of this. He's going to show us the same thing. And this is really what makes our faith great. It doesn't take a great amount of faith to have great faith. So Jesus is really hungry, comes up to a fig tree, and he doesn't see any figs. And he says, no man eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples are like, Ooh, 
his blood sugar is low today. He's a little grouchy, right? And so, so they're like, what's he doing? They don't, and the Bible says the disciples heard him. He wants to teach a lesson. Now, we know there's many things that can come out of one scripture. Jesus is, the, 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 the fig tree is a type of Israel, and Jesus is saying, hey, we're going to switch ages. We're going from the law. We're going to go to grace, and the law is no, no longer going to be a way that I, I bring people in. It's going to be another way. We know that's happening, but Jesus is also wanting to teach us an object lesson. So then they go to sleep. They wake up. They walk back by the tree, and all the disciples saw it. Peter spoke out, and here's what they said. Jesus, that tree that you cursed, it's dead, and it dried up at the roots, and they're amazed. And that would amaze us too to see it die just overnight after hearing him say that. So then Jesus says this. It's, it's amazing. He says in Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Now, theologians, language theologians, here's what they say. They say this, this verse can be translated one of two ways. So this is accurate. It's 100% accurate. But they say it can also be translated, have the faith of God. I like that one too. And when you see the next verse, you know that would have probably been the better way for the translators to translate it. Have the faith of God because what Jesus is teaching us is what the centurion understood concerning him. Now, Jesus is saying to you, hey, you can take some authority too. And notice what he says next, Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Truly, I tell you, if anyone, can, can we see now we're not just talking about God. We don't want to put limits on what God's going to do for us. But he says, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now, this is, an, this is an awesome, just an amazing verse. Listen, listen. Mountains in Bible days were, would be an immovable object. Today, we can blow them up. We can haul them away. We have equipment that can drill through mountains, and I love going, I love going through a mountain on a road, and it's just really fun. It's, a, it's just incredible what we can do today, right? But in Bible days, if there was a mountain, there was nothing you could do. It was an immovable object in your life. And here's what Jesus is wanting to teach you and I, right? They, if they had a mountain, they had to either climb it and go over it, or they had to go around it. And Jesus is saying, hey, guys, if I promised you something, you might have faith and believe it, but you have to take authority and begin to release things out of your mouth, or that mountain's going to sit there. But I got to thinking about how many mountains some of us have in our lives, myself included. That would be things we're putting up with. The Bible promises us, us something different, and we're just putting up with it. We're going through our life, and we're climbing it, and we're going around it, and we're just going through our life, and that mountain's just sitting there. And here's what Jesus is trying to say. You can get rid of that mountain, but you're going to have to do what this centurion did. Great faith is faith that takes authority. Did you notice if you say to the mountain, you have, you have to take some authority. It's not enough to believe. He says, now you have to become aggressive and you have to say just like Jesus did. He's given you permission to do that. And I want to be honest with you. For me, that doesn't come easy because by nature, I'm what you would call a realist. Some people would say I'm negative. But I, I, I'm a realist. I'm a half a glass half empty kind of guy, right? And I'm not the brightest one in this room, but I, I am one, I think a lot. And when you think and, and facts are important, you make decisions, if you have all the facts, it's easy to slip into a negative mode, right? And so someone like me, I can get so focused on what exists, the mountain, 
that, that I just talk about the mountain, and all I do is talk about the mountain, the mountain, the mountain, the mountain, instead of looking at the promise and saying, why don't we move this mountain? So this is a true story. The Cavaliers, the playoffs. Um, I, I text my boys once in a while, and say, guys, you want to come over tonight and watch it? And, and they did once. And then, uh, <laughs> then they just said, Dad, you're too negative. I mean, Corey, Steve, Joe, Dave, you're just too negative. And I am. I, I'll sit there. I call it being a realist, but I'll sit there and I'll, I'll just I'll complain that this team stinks. LeBron's great, but everybody else stinks. And why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? And, and they just say, we can't enjoy the game. It's no fun with you and watching it. So they, they watched it at other places. And then I would try to text them my negativity if I could, you know. So... <laughs> But that's okay in basketball because I'm not impacting that game by what I say. But in real life, it's not okay. And, and, and my wife has had to coach me once in a while and just remind me of what I'm doing. And many of you know the story. I'm not going to retell the story, but the story of the poo-poo pond we had in our front yard, right? And uh, so we, we moved in the house 16 years ago now, and the septic system fell the day we moved in. It was in the front yard. And little bubbles began to come up from day one. And then it turned into this huge pond. And I'm, I'm, go, I'm working with the county, and um, I'm telling them, you guys put it in wrong. You approved it. It needs to. And they're telling me no, and it just went on and on. I won't explain all that. But we came to deadline time. And, and I understood. They were going to condemn our house if I didn't put one in the backyard. I had to do a raised mound. It was going to cost me 20 grand. And so... Uh, and I understand it. it wasn't good for the animals and the people and disease and all that stuff, and it smelled anyway. And so, so I had this deadline, and, and weeks before the deadline, months, I'm just telling Gina, I don't know where we're going to come up with the 20, and I'm upset, and I'm just, just speaking the mountain, you know. And Gina just looked at me and said, Honey, I'm believing for a miracle. I'm believing we're going to get sewers. And I'm believing, well, I had called the sanitation department. They said, or whoever it is that does that, uh, they said, we're, we have no plans to bring sewers to your street. It's never going to happen. It's not in our budget. And so I'm, you know, I'm focusing on that mountain. And she's saying, honey, I'm believing for a miracle. Honey, I'm believing for a miracle. And she said, could you just agree with me? And I'm like, and I, I knew I should. I said, you're right. I said, okay. I said, let's pray. I said, let's believe for a miracle, you know, and then that deadline's coming. And it, it, was, it was the day of the deadline where I had, I had to agree to do what I had to do or we had to leave. Um, I had received a phone call. It was the craziest phone call ever. The person on the other end said, hey, we're going to move into your area, into that street, and we fronted the county the money to bring the sewers, and then they'll pay us back. Um, are you okay with that? Would you sign on that it's okay to bring sewers to your street? And I'm like, that Gino, wow, that's amazing, right? And, and so I said, yeah. I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Uh, and, and, and we had sewers come. It was absolutely a miracle. And I thought, boy, if I would have went negative net on that, and if I would have just went by what I saw, I would have had a raised mound, then the sewers might have came, and then, boy, we would have been in trouble because that would have been a double whammy, right? And I'm just asking you, that's what I want to ask, what mountains are in your life, what poo-poo ponds are in your life that you're just walking around, you're smelling, and you're just putting up with these babies that you could literally take the promises of God, believe in prayer, speak those promises over it, 
not go by what we see, but just begin to speak the life of God and see some changes. That's what I believe the encounter with the centurion soldier is teaching us. And I know it excited me, and it just reminded me of what we can do and how powerful it is. Jesus said, you have authority. It's, it's with the promises, but if I promised it, take some authority. How many of you are excited that you have authority? And every campus, can we just give it up and say, thank you, Jesus? I, I'm excited about it. How many of us guys appreciate a good wife, right? Amen. Let's, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. If I go any further, I'll ruin it. So let's go ahead and just pray. Father, we love you with everything in our hearts. We thank you for ministering life to us. And Lord, I know for some, uh, this first time they ever heard this concept. And, and we just thank you for opening up our hearts and opening up our eyes. It doesn't take a great amount of faith to have great faith. Lord, as we go through the week, we just ask you, show us when we can change what we're saying. Show us when we can take authority where we're not taking authority. We thank you for doing that in our lives, Lord God. TCI Borman Warren, we're, we're in an attitude prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you're not sure of your forever, I want to just take a moment and I want to share some really incredible news with you. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult. Those are all great things. Maybe you came in saying, I'm not even sure if God exists. It, it doesn't matter. It's the same message for all of us. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will not perish, but I'll give them everlasting life. Jesus said, you can't work for salvation. You just simply have to believe. And if you're here and you say, I can't remember a moment in my life when I believed and I accepted Christ, why not today? He said, if you call on my name, I'll save you. So if you're here and you say, that's me, why don't we pray? Everyone else in Borman, TCI here, we're going to help you pray. So we've already prayed. We've accepted Christ, but we're going to help you out. And if you're praying this for the first time, all you have to do is mean it. So let's go ahead and pray. Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you died for me that God raised you up. This day, I accept you as my Savior, and I make a decision to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.